Hello, welcome to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He's here, ready to go. Lots of great stuff to talk about. We talked last week. We kind of said that we were going to be previewing your fantasy football team, Mike, since we're going to do. We actually did the first ever I'm Always Right Sports Podcast fantasy draft earlier this week. However, due to some technical difficulties, we do not have that footage, unfortunately. So... Unfortunately, we won't be posting that, but we will be talking about we'll be talking about Mike's team. We'll be talking about kind of what happened in the draft and how he was pretty devastated as we went through the first couple of rounds. Um, it was a, it was funny nonetheless to see. And then we're also going to we're going to do a Pistons off season preview slash outlook, kind of what we want to see. We know they're picking seventh in the draft, so we're going to talk about that after the break. We're going to talk some Tigers talk. Um, you know, Casey Mize, Rich Google are up, Paredes. These guys are all been called up after they weren't originally on the original roster. It's nice to see them up. We're going to talk about the season outlook for the Tigers. And we're going to end the show with a kind of a wrestling uh, update roundup kind of thing. We're going to review NXT TakeOver 30. Lots of big news came out of that. We're going to be talking AEW Saturday Night Special. We're going to be talking some title changes um, and just some overall wrestling updates for you guys as well. So lots of stuff to talk about here today. Um, let's jump right in though, Mike, with your fantasy football team. Yeah. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago when we were prepping for the actual draft where it was a, uh, um, you know, you, you kind of had like a philosophy of what you were going to go with and some guys that may have been a little bit under the radar for you mm-hmm. or for, or for maybe for other people, but not for you. Turns out everybody had the same kind of mindset you did yeah. in, in some regard. Um, how do you think, how do you think your draft fell and what was your philosophy going in for those who maybe haven't done their draft yet, which if you haven't, TikTok, um, that maybe you're looking for like just some sort of roadmap into how to build a team. Yeah, well, I probably built the team completely different than everyone else on the face of planet Earth. But I will say I'm one of the more completionists of the roster. Yeah. So I try to get all the pieces on your starting roster before I move to the bench. Mm-hmm. There are some people that fill out early parts of their bench before they finish out some of their roster. Right. Um, so I guess it kind of depends how much you value, say, a kicker mm-hmm. and or maybe your defense or something. Right. Because uh, there are some people in our draft that picked a kicker in the last round and just right. had one kicker and that was it. Right. I went kicker in, like, the seventh or eighth round yeah. because I was like, I want the best kicker here. Yeah. And I also value kickers way more than other people do because mm-hmm. I think if you have a great kicker, for a team that scores a lot of points, yep. that's like 10, 12, 14 points. Yep. Where if you get like, oh, I'll just get an average kicker. Right. If he only gives you five points, that's a nine-point swing in my favor. Right. So that's kind of those things I look at when I pick my mm-hmm. team. Right. It's like I complete. Yeah, you, you're definitely you're definitely have that mindset. I don't think you're necessarily off. I think some people are like that, right? Other people, you know, I know a lot of fantasy experts are like, well, don't take a defense away or yeah. anything else like that. But you definitely went, you're like, no, I'm going to get the best defense I think on the board um, you know, in a spot, I mean, you're not taking a defense second round, obviously, but like, you know, you went, you went earlier than most did with your defense and your kicker just because you're like, okay, I want, I want this defense. I want the, like, yeah. I want the tip top that I think is the tip right, top exactly. of, if, if of you, those kind of positions. Cause there are some people that are like, oh, I want my backup wide receiver to be Marvin Jones and right. he might not be there in four rounds from right. now or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. But I, I can look at, okay, I can take. And we'll talk about, I got someone like J.K. Dobbins yeah. on my bench, and I go, I can live with that as yeah. a backup running back right. and yeah. stuff. Exactly. And, so. and it's all about how you prioritize how yeah. you prioritize the board, right? Just like in, in a regular draft in, in a lot of aspects, right? It's, you know, what's the need? You know, I think the I think your philosophy really transcends to, like, the tight end position. For, for years, <clears throat> excuse me, the tight end position was one of, like, 
where do you take a tight end, right? It was like yeah. you had Gronk was really at one point like the only tight end, and maybe Jimmy Graham for that little bit of time was like the only two tight ends where you're like, I'm definitely going to take him in the first or second round. Outside of that, nobody else was really, you know what I mean, worth it. Yeah. Now the tight end position is weird because you have a few guys that are like at the tippy top, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, a couple of guys. You're like, okay, these are the guys. And then after that, you're like, now where do you take a tight end? You know, where do you take a Mark Andrews? Where do you take a Greg Olson? Where do you take, uh, where do you take a guy like Hawkinson, right? Like yeah. where, you know, where, you know, where you're kind of looking at what, what's the value here? Um, so let's, let's just run down here. So you had the fourth overall pick, 12 team league, fourth overall pick, uh, snake draft, obviously. Um, so let's just kind of run down. Yeah. So I decided, so the first three picks of the draft end up being McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke. Yes. Were the first three. Yeah. So then I kind of look at those three as, and I did this for a lot of positions. I think there's like three or four people in top tier fantasy positions. Right. When you look at quarterbacks, you go Lamar, Patrick, and maybe like Russell or something. Right. Probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, running backs, those three that I named, I think are the three that will get you by far the most amount of points that anyone else will mm-hmm. on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. So once those three got taken, I said, well, let me then maybe shift to maybe the top of the board at a different position. Right. So I went top of the board in the wide receiver position. Yeah. I went Michael Thomas from New Orleans. Yep. I think he is the safest pick. He is Drew Brees' easily number one. He's probably the best receiver in the league. Right. And I think, on average, he will get you probably the most week-to-week. Yeah. And safest week-to-week than yeah. anyone and, else. And, that, and that's that the name point. of the game, right, for fantasy. If you're looking for consistent points every single week, right, you don't need the up and down. You need you need consistent production Throughout you know fourteen weeks yeah. or whatever the whatever the fantasy season goes. All right, who was who was your second yeah. round pick? So then, so being at four and in a sneak draft, so now you're waiting a really long time to come yes. back around. So this is when a lot of people are picking the rest of the running backs that are kind of in the top tier, the Dalvin Cooks, yep. those kind of guys, yep. and then kind of like the D hops or anyone that's a little under the wide receiver positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought one of my favorite guys in this fantasy named Austin Eckler, the running back from the Chargers, yep. was going to be available in the late second round because yeah. I thought everyone was going to pick running backs yeah, and then go receiver go right receiver, after. Right. But some people picked, double it up on running backs I wasn't expecting for. Yeah. So someone took him earlier. So I decided <laughs> to take Aaron Jones, the Green Bay running back, yeah. because I think he's versatile and I think Green Bay runs... They got Devontae... And they got Aaron Jones. It's like two weapons. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So well, and, and they don't so, have a strong. Uh, it's not like the Lions or these right. teams that have strong dual yeah. running backs. Mm-hmm. It's like Aaron Jones, and then you got Dylan, who's probably going to get some carries. Yeah. But it's really the Aaron Jones show at running back. Yeah. So I think he's going to get a bulk of the carries. Once you, you know, talk to me a little bit about um, your how you had to pivot, right? Because we talked, you know, like you were you were eyeing Eckler, you were eyeing Mark Andrews, who was taken, I think, the next round after this. Yeah, after, so, well, like, yeah, had, yeah, I will get to that because yeah, yeah. that was a tough one. Too. Yeah, but talk to me about how you had to pivot for people out there that are maybe new to the game or, you know, maybe just you've played fantasy for a long time and you're just not very good at it, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, injuries, whatever. Like, talk to me about how you kind of pivot your strategy when you're like, okay, my target for round two is gone way before I thought he was going to be there, yeah. kind of like trying to go onto the radar. And now you have to pivot and go, oh, crap, where, where do I go? And talk to me about that yeah. that, that line of thinking. I, I think that you should always have a safety blanket underneath your yeah. intended target. Yeah. I think I, I missed the ball on that one. I didn't have a strong, like, okay, number he's two the number two I yeah. was going to go to right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Austin Eckler wasn't there, that's yeah. why I had it on the fly pick Aaron Jones. Um, but I think, you, yeah, you should always have a – 
okay, I want, like in the first round, right, you go, I'm picking number five, so I want Michael Thomas. If he's not there, and you know the three running backs are probably going to go, yeah. okay, here's who I'm going to pick other than right. that guy or whatever right. if yeah. he's not going to be there. Right. And I think you should have that for every round. Be like, all right, this is probably the target guy, mm-hmm. but also if he's not there, I can pivot to another guy. Right. It just so happens in this one round, mm-hmm. I didn't have that pivot, so I had to really try to find Yeah, like you got to find yeah. the board well, yeah, somebody. Was there ever any thought, you know, some people were like, all right, well, you know, maybe you could have went, you know, like a Mike Evans or something like that. Like, yeah. just doubled up on receiver and then kind of took a risk at running back on the way back? Or was running back, you're like, no, I need to take a running no, back. No, I thought back. I needed to take a running back because I thought right after that, yeah. I thought someone was going to maybe take him. And right. after that, I like, was like, no, I'm losing really all of the... Down. Yeah. yeah, you're starting... Because even my second running back, I think it's kind of a snatch yeah. that we'll get to. But I still think I'm, like, a little worried about some of the running backs mm-hmm. that were coming after Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to at least take one right. to solidify something for most the weeks to come. Okay, who was your third? Who was your third? So the third one was actually very interesting yeah. because coming at fourth, I only I had to wait six picks and then I get to pick right again. And it was coming down to do I need another running back or receiver who I pri- to prioritize or do I take tight end because uh Kittle and Kelsey both went right in between the time I picked yes in the second and third round. Yeah. But Mark Andrews, who I'm very high on, who I think is the third best tight end in football, yeah. was still there. Right. But I prioritized wide receivers, so I took Kenny Galladay. Yeah. He t- he has Big fan the, of that pick. Yeah. <laughs> he has the most touchdown catches last year, yeah. and that gives you the most fantasy points. Yeah. I think he's Stafford's easy number one target. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and I don't even think it's close, to no. be honest with you. No. Outside of the safety blanket with the tight end, I think he's clearly the number one. Yeah. So... Most contested um, deep balls, most compl- you know, and you got you know the Lions' offense was taking shot after shot downfield. Yeah. You know, most com- you know highest completion percentage on passes twenty yards or downfield or more. Most of those targets are going to Kenny G. Yeah. So all of that, I took that into consideration over like Mark Andrews, who I yeah. think they're going to run a lot in, in oh, yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. They're going to run they a lot in Marquise Brown and yep. stuff. So I was like, he might not get as many touches. I know Kenny Galladay is a for sure number one. Yep. So I decided to take him, trying to take the chance maybe I could get back to Mark Andrews coming to me in the fourth. Right. But unlikely that it was going to happen. Right, 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 for sure. All right, so let's go Let's go your fourth and fifth round picks down here. So my fourth round pick, I decided to actually go tight end here, yeah. and I went um, Hunter Henry. I right. thought he was the best tight end. And tight ends for me were bleak. I was like, there's... Yeah, it's it's a pretty steep. After drop three off. or four or five, yeah. it's a pretty steep. So I was like, I need at least snatch one that I think I can at least rely on for some points. Yeah. So I decided to take Hunter Henry and there. He, and that the big thing with him is health, right? How much how how big of a of a the injury factor do you put into you? Like, you know, like some guys like, you know, Julio, um, you know, guys like that who are at potential could be, you know, our top, you know, top two two round picks, you know what yeah. I mean? But at the same time, like are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be there every single week, right? Yeah, I had, for for wide receiver and running back, I don't ever want to pick, like, that's why, like, Dalvin Cook was not near my board at all. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to yeah, risk he's probably my first round running back. Because yeah. I had that happen last year with Saquon Barkley where he missed, like, four games. Yeah. And it really screws with your lineup because I'm like, I'm expecting Saquon and Eckler to give you points. And when right. Saquon's gone, I don't have another one. Right. So I want those two positions. Someone like a tight end who usually doesn't even get you unless you have the big three, mm-hmm. really gave you more than 10 points anyway. Right. I'm like, if I can get a good kicker, good defense, maybe that can override having a right. okay tight end. You have okay. to have a hole somewhere on your team yeah. for the most part. For so sure. I was like, if I'm going to have a hole, I'm going to have it at probably like tight end. Or okay, yeah, for sure. And then right after that, I took a, uh, my flex wide receiver, Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver from Washington. And I the took, only target there. Yeah, <laughs> and I took him for literally the exact reason I yeah. took Kenny Galladay. I yeah. go... 
Dwayne Haskins is easy number one is him, and there's yeah. not, it's not even really close. Yeah. So if he's name gonna, another wide receiver, exactly. So gonna he's going to get all the targets there. So yeah. if he can rack up eight, nine catches, maybe a couple yeah. games and stuff, I think I get a lot of points from him for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, looking at this, right? It's, it's all about prioritizing where you want to have a strength and weakness, right? You, yeah. you make a great point where it's not everybody leaves a fantasy draft thinking that their team is like in mm. pristine, like this is. This is it, right? But in reality, there are holes, right? You're going to have holes somewhere, right? I like your approach and how you kind of went and said, all right, if there's going to be a position, I need to minimize the impact of that position yeah. as best as possible, right? So you're like, okay, if I don't have a top two or three tight end, what's the what's the max amount of points I'm really going to be losing here? Okay, five, six points maybe yeah. on, on a good week. So it's like, all right, let me, let me address some other needs then. You know, yeah. give me a solid pick. And then let's refill the places where I think I can maximize my leverage, you know, for later down the season. Yeah. And I look at that as like a running back where I go, I can't have a bad second running back. Because mm-hmm. running backs, I, I look at be like, you're giving me 15. Mm-hmm. If I have J.K. Dobbins, who's only going to give me six points a week, I'm like, right. that's a big swing right. compared to like a tight end or right. like for sure. give or take. So then right after Terry McLaurin, I took my second running back, Raheem Mostart, San Francisco running mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um for what he did last year in the last couple games, and he's yeah. going to be the pretty much the clear number one, at least a starting back in San Fran on a power run team. Yep. I was like, he's just going to get a lot of carries, hopefully get a lot of yards, yep. and be able to just kind of cruise through some of these defenses. So I Absolutely. thought he'd just be a solid number two mm-hmm. to Aaron Jones, who's my number one. Okay, who is your who is your who who fills out the rest of your starting line? Who's your flex? Yeah. Is, is Terry McLaurin your flex right Terry now? McLaurin's the flex. Your flex? So okay. I took Carson Wentz as the quarterback. That's yep. People say that's a little iffy. He, is, he does get the injury bug. Yep. But Who's your backup? Uh, uh, Drew Locke. Oh, Drew Locke. Okay, see, now that that I think could be a potential steal right yes. there. Like we're, that's we're, what I was looking we're at. We're pretty too. high on Denver right now, you know, with all the weapons. And I think you were smart. A lot of people looked at, you know, like a Melvin Gordon or uh, Philip Lindsay. You got Drew. You got a lot of weapons in Denver. Problem with that in a fantasy aspect is there's a lot of weapons, which means there's only so many touches to go around. Drew Locke's handing out all the touches. Yeah, so, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, throwing the ball to everybody. He's, he's benefiting so from all those people. I, I'm hoping that three, four weeks in, even if Carson does get hurt yeah. or his receivers get hurt even, right. he's not able to be up there. Maybe Drew Locke gets comfortable four weeks yeah. in, and I can throw him into a starting line. Quarterback was definitely not valued in this draft. At all, like no. not really. I mean, it was not. I think the first quarterback outside went, of Lamar, uh, Lamar and, and then Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, and then outside was, of that, it was it was a long. And then somebody took Dak, I think, as the third quarterback. Yeah. So it's like that. That goes to show you the mindset that some people have on quarterbacks. Where like it is kind of after those first two, it's like everyone else he can kind of be scrunched in a little bit. Yeah. Carson Wentz has healthy receivers. He stays on the field. He's a top five quarterback. Yeah. So I'm not. I mean, I ain't hating on that. Yeah. And then my defense, I took the Steelers defense because I think last year they went eight and eight. Off of their defense, yeah. it was literally nothing of their. They had a third string quarterback in it, quarterback, yeah. and he, they did that. So, and I think the Steelers outside playing Baltimore has a pretty easy. They don't play too many high powered offenses, yeah. so I think they can really level that down. Mm-hmm. And then I took Justin Tucker, the kicker from Baltimore, because like I said, I think Baltimore is going to have the most amount of points this year. Mm-hmm. And if you score six touchdowns in the game, yep. six extra points are racking you up. Right. So Every I think he's going to get a lot of. At least extra points, if not kicking field goals for some Absolutely. of those drives. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, when you look at this team, right, I think, you, yeah, obviously, I think Hunter Henry is the contingent of, like, okay, as long as he's healthy, I think he'll be yeah. somewhat productive, right? 
Uh, go through your bench real fast, and then we'll we'll shift to yeah. this. So time. then I got J.K. Dobbins, running back out of Baltimore. Yep. I got uh, McCoy Hardman, the wide receiver out of Kansas City, as a backup wide yep. receiver. Mike Jacecki as my tight end. Drew Locke at quarterback. Yep. I picked a Seahawks defense literally only because I can root for them if I have to root for them. <laughs> them right. uh, Jake Elliott, because like I said with Carson, if he scores a lot, then Jake Elliott's going to get a lot of points there. Yep. And then Cole Beasley as my last pick in the draft. I think he's low-key a steal because he's – a very good slot receiver for a Buffalo team. Yeah, that he's the number two. He's the number two there behind Diggs, right? I I think Buffalo's offense got an explosion this year, yeah. so it's nice to have somebody like that, like a Golden Tate, if for Lions fans who just catches everything within the first five to fifteen yards. Yeah. So it, you know, I think I think you got a pretty solid draft, Mike. I know a couple guys went that you were kind of targeting in some rounds, and I think it kind of some of that kind of got taken out from underneath you. You yeah. know, so it's difficult. Um, but I'm interested to see how the season plays out. We'll probably do an update over the next couple weeks and be like, how that how that went up turn out. Hopefully next year. We'll oh, be able and Ford, God it dang there. it! Yeah, right. We'll hopefully uh, get be able to record next year's draft for you guys here. We had some ideas for that, but it just didn't pan out. So hopefully next year we'll get that. All right, let's talk some Pistons action here. You got the number seven pick in the draft, right? Um, I know some Pistons fans were upset. They had a ten percent chance to get the first overall pick, but based off record, they were going to be picking sixth. Just based off of the, if we just went one, you know, mm-hmm. one through thirty, or whatever, they're gonna be picking six, so they're not really out of that realm, really. Um, we talk off air. This is kind of the perfect draft to not have um, to like. To, this is the perfect draft for them if they weren't gonna be in a top three pick, mm-hmm. where it's like okay, because there isn't one guy or two guys or three. Guys. Like if this was last year. Like, okay, you had Zion, but then you have Morant, and you had uh, the other guy from Duke, what's his name, uh, who plays for the Knicks right now? Oh, RJ, Barrett. RJ Barrett, Barrett, right? Like, those are three guys who you think hopefully are going to be franchise cornerstones for your team, right? There is not that guy in this draft, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's hope that maybe there's a couple, but they for sure, like, oh, yeah, like, Zion's number one. We're not even having this conversation. Mm-hmm. There isn't that guy in there. So, you know, from a Pistons fan perspective, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Mike, but I think they're going point guard pretty much regardless of where they were slotted, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Um, I think that's where they're going to attack pretty much immediately in this draft, and I hope they do it in the draft and not in for free agency, and I hope they just stand pat. Give me your give me like you know, your three-step process for their offseason this year when it comes to free agency. They're going to have the third most cap space in the league coming out of the league. They're already kind of starting their offseason program right now, even though we saw games going on that mm-hmm. are legit because the season's going to – it's a quick turnaround, you know, for the season. Um, talk to me. What do you want to see out of this Pistons team as we kind of get into the We've got a new GM. Mm-hmm. You know, Dwayne Casey's still here. What? What's, what's, give me your three-step program. Your draft, free agency slash whatever like that, and then any player retention guys that you want to keep from this team that may be possibly hitting free agency. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's – comes down to very simple take a point guard in the draft maybe get another depth player yep. for a second round pick mm-hmm. um hopefully they pan out don't spend a lot of money in free agency i think if you want to like do a little one-year two-year contract to a guy who's mm-hmm. like good like yeah. I, I i can't even like name like yeah. uh like yeah, I, like, well, we'll go over free agency. Yeah, we'll go over free agency. Yeah. i have to go look into who's gonna all be in free agency yeah. but if you get a smaller guy who's mm-hmm. like who, who has upside and you yeah. want to spend a little money on them, but I don't want any big splash signings this year because mm-hmm. I think that should be coming uh, in the, the offseason after. Season. Absolutely. And then um, the only guy I want to really re-sign is Christian Wood. Hopefully that they can yep. get a contract done to extend him for like four or five years yep. for Christian Wood. Yeah, that's and then the big just kind of roll yeah. with this team and see what happens. Yeah. Kind of deal. 
I'm in agreement with you. You know, the one thing I will say, though, that the Pistons have now given themselves some flexibility because in the sense of because they have so much cap space, right, they can do some sign it. They can do some trades, right, where they can take on now a bad contract for draft capital, right? You know what I mean? So they can take on a contract where you go, like Andrew Wiggins, right, mm-hmm. for, for Golden State, has a really bad contract, right? But Golden State was like, all right, we'll bring him on, but we're going to get a first-round pick out of it, right? Yeah. So the, the Pistons now have leveraged themselves in the ability to take on a bad contract like that. Okay, fine, he plays. We don't care about the player. The fact that they have the cap space to take on a bad contract, but in addition to that money that they have to take on, now they are able to take on a pick along with that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be bad and you're, you're in this kind of rebuilding mode, you might as well try to get as many throws at the dartboard as you can. So I like the ability that the Pistons have. I'm going to agree with you. I don't want to see any splash signings. I don't want to see anybody get signed, quite frankly. I want to stay with whatever roster you have currently and roll with it outside of Christian Wood. I need them to sign him to a max deal, be done with it. Blake Griffin's running towards the end of this. I think he's going to be your leader. Derrick Rose is here for another year. He may be able to be flipped uh, next off seat or next you know trade deadline time mm-hmm. if he's playing as well as he is. Um, I, I want a point guard in the draft. Maybe even, if honestly, depending where it's at, I don't know where Cassius Winston's projected to go, but if he's there in the second, you know, and, like, that's a guy, you know, he's just a playmaker at the end of the day, and he's, he's just a good player. So that that's kind of my, you know, for a three-step, I want a point guard probably because you don't have one on your roster right now outside of Derrick Rose um, to be the first pick that you have. Um from a fragrance standpoint, I pretty much want you to stand pat or be willing to take out a bad contract in order to get more draft capital. And then the third phase of that, obviously, retain Christian Wood. Um, that's really the only big splash signing, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And really focus on building this team through the draft. You know, there's not really a timeline. The GM just got here. Dwayne Casey's a pretty damn good coach. I'm not worried about the front office necessarily as far as a timeline is going. We're not on the Lions where it's like, you need to win now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is not your window just yet. You have some time to really build this. You have good young pieces. They like Bruce Brown. They like Kennard. Um, you know, you've got a couple, a Sekou from the pick last year. If they re-sign Christian Wood, that's four guys right there that you could, that are, could be solid contributors whether that's starting or off the bench, you know, in a big way for mm-hmm. them. So that's kind of where I want to see the Pistons go. Um, we'll do more draft talk after the actual draft happens. Um, it, right now it's so hard to predict where everyone's going to go. It's not like the NFL draft where you kind of have a hard set first ten picks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, you got people from other countries over there that are yeah. talked about getting drafted that you don't even see for three years. So it's kind of hard to talk about that. But um, that's kind of our, our three-step process for the Pistons right now. Hopefully – what we'll see over the next couple of years is maybe we won't see a competitive team, but we will see a team that is on the rise, ready to go, getting to a point where, like, I want to get by two years from now, I want to be where Memphis is at, right? Where you have a couple guys where you can build around, you're making a competitive, you know, stride to get into that top tier of the Western Conference kind of thing. And with the Eastern Conference being as weak as it is, hopefully Giannis leaves yeah. <laughs> or, or or comes here. Huh? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's where I think the Pistons will really have a chance to kind of go through. But, all right, after the break here, we're going to be talking some Tigers talk and a lot of stuff to talk about there. And then we're also going to do a wrestling roundup at the end of the show. Lots of WWE news, lots of AEW news, of course, like always. It's the only thing that can change every single week. So, we will, of course, we got to talk about it. All that good stuff after the break. Stick around. Hey, guys, the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Van Dyke here. And I made the announcement a couple weeks ago, and I just want to put it back out there for you guys if you're listening. If you know a coach 
of any program, whether it's high school or college, uh, we would love to hear from you, and we'd love to have them on the show for a quick interview to talk about their programs. It doesn't matter what sport. You can be football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, swimming, cross-country, cricket. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what. It doesn't really matter. All we want is coaches to be talking about their programs on the show. We want to bring to light some of the great programs that maybe aren't talked about as much on the mainstream media, aren't talked about by the MHSAA or any of those places like that. We want to be the guys to kind of shed a light on these great programs, not only around the state of Michigan, but all around this great country, the United States. So if you have anybody that you know that would like to be on the show to promote their program, it's absolutely free. We'd love to talk with them. Let them know. Let them know to contact me at my email address, mendicarob at gmail.com, or at our the show's email address, iarbroadcastmedia at gmail.com, or hit up Mike or myself on Twitter, or just you know send us a message on our page, send us a message on Twitter. We are available for you guys at any point in time. Or go to the website, imalwayswrightpc.com, fill out the contact page, and let us know how we can get in touch with some of these great coaches all around this great country. We really appreciate your support. Now here's part two of episode 91. The road to 100 is counting down. And welcome back to part two of episode 91. The road to 100 is underway. Mike, tick, tock. It's coming down. Big episode 100 coming you guys' way pretty soon here. Could not be more excited about it. Uh, let's jump right in here. Let's talk some Tigers talk here. We finally have... Uh, our first sighting of Casey Mize in a Tigers uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, Therese Scooble getting brought up. Uh, I, I think it's I, Paredes. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Either way, we got some big-time minor league prospects coming up, making their debuts over the past couple weeks for your Detroit Tigers. Um, you know, the t- Scooble's appearance was only like a couple innings. He kind of got rocked early. Uh, Casey Mize, though, had a pretty nice debut overall. I think he went five innings, had seven strikeouts. Um, they lost both games anyway because it is what it is. Um, talk to me, Mike, about the 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 call ups and how excited you were. Did you care? Are you finally happy to see some of these guys, you know, contributing in mm-hmm. like in a meaningful way? Uh, talk to me what your your reaction was when you found out they were they were getting called up. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to see all these guys start playing, um, but it was kind of unfortunate to watch them kind of struggle yeah. in their first couple. I thought they'd be a little more like. Yeah. I, was, I, I guess it was more I was hoping that they'd be a little more like. It would have been nice if they just went out and just dominated. Yeah, they just dominated for a nice game or two. Like, that would have been awesome. Yeah. But they came out and struggled a little. Yeah. But all in all, I think it's great. I've been wanting them to come up since the start of the season, mm-hmm. but they waited a couple weeks for it. Right. But. The Tigers right now aren't going to be winning anything now anyway, yeah. so might as well just throw them up and hopefully get them some experience. Yeah, you know, point. it's weird because, you know, when, this, when the season first kicked off, it's like, oh, they're playing pretty well. They're playing some pretty good baseball, you know, and then it's just like they, they all of a sudden they played Cleveland and Chicago and they just couldn't get a win to save their lives, yeah. you know. It, it's one of those things to where I think the organization just went, all right, screw it. Let's just get them up here. Let's go. I'm sure there's more method to the madness than just that. But, like, at the same time, it was nice to see those guys there. I'm sure we're going to be seeing them up and down on the roster as we as we kind of go here. Um, your thoughts, though, like, are, are, does this give you any sort of hope that maybe if they are up here for long term and maybe we'll see some other guys brought up as well, does that give you any sort of hope about this team? And like, okay, like, we're, this is finally what we've been waiting for, right? Like, mm. the ball is slowly rolling in the right direction. Finally, we've, we've been talking about these guys for so long. We're finally going to get to a point where maybe they're not winning a ton, but we can see flashes here and there of, okay, what this team potentially could be two, three years down the line. 
Yeah, well, I would say so if, again, like I said, if they had better performances going out, yeah. that'd be a little more. And hopefully through the season, they just get better and better. Yeah, That's what I'm really yeah. hoping for to mm-hmm. see. But, like, coming out, I was like, if this is our future, I'm very worried. <laughs> but, I'm like, I'm yeah. going to be optimistic with it and say that they're just going to get better and better. Yeah. And I do like seeing them have that experience and be able to really get through yeah. and play well. I mean, honestly, you've looked at this team, right? Yeah, this team is weird, right? You, you know, like, guys like Jacoby Jones have been playing well, but yeah. it's not necessarily sustainable. you got, like, guys like Miguel who aren't playing well at all. You've got guys like Tyler Boyd who were phenomenal last year, right, and now are are completely useless on the mound right now. He's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's a weird it's a weird bag this year. I think they're really just trying to sort out what they have. I think a little bit, and I think this is this is the perfect time because you're only at a sixty game season where you really can just. It's almost like a elongated preseason for them. I think in a lot of ways, right? Like of course they're trying to win, but. At this point, it's I think you're in evaluation mode. I mean, I think they're like ten and fifteen on the year right now, something like that. Um, but they're not going to be. I don't anticipate them competing for a playoff spot, right? No. And, and, you know, you're a quarter of the way through. Um, I, I like for me, I just I think they're honestly looking at this like and saying this is a team that is like okay, what do we have, right? Like we've got all this stuff. Everyone's like talking about we got a top five minor league system. But what does that mean, you know? And is that really going to come to fruition? Are we really going to be, are we really going to have a team for the future, or are we just, you know, are we still farther back than we that anticipated? We think, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Torkelson up here, yeah. and maybe at some point at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Just raking, hopefully. I hope you know? so. So it, there's a lot of things, you know. I just wanted to touch on this just a little bit because when you look at this team, and there's, you know, they're not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They're boring. They're not very good. You, you're seeing a lot of mistakes. It's just kind of like, all right. You know, you're not hitting very well. But at the same time, if you're a Tigers fan, there's hope. Because every time you see Casey Mines go out there, you're like, okay, that's our new guy. You know, and mm-hmm. let's hope to God that, that that turns out, you know, better and better every time we see him. Um, let's jump right in now, Mike, to uh, this wrestling roundup here that we want to talk about. Uh, a lot of stuff happened over the last couple of days. We had NXT 30. We had a title change on SmackDown. We've got the debut of the Thunderdome. That's going to be for SummerSlam as of this recording tonight. Um, we'll talk about SummerSlam, obviously, next week. Uh, AEW had a special Saturday night show because of the NBA playoffs. Also, we're going to be talking NBA playoffs next week as well, so okay. don't shoot me if I said that we're going to talk about it this week because nothing's really happened yet. Um, but So, Mike, I want let's start off with the big event. Let's start off with NXT 30. Uh, I watched it last night. We had a graduation party to go to for the whale man over here. So uh, we didn't actually get to watch it live. I watched it when I came home. You watched it after you left as well. Give me your thoughts on the show, 30th anniversary. Um, just give me an overall grade for the show first, and then we'll go kind of into the match and see what we liked, what we didn't like. Okay. Um, I thought it was good overall. Yeah. Um, it was better than In Your House, mm-hmm. but not like so much better so mm-hmm. now i had to go back and like i don't even i don't remember what i gave in your house so this is gonna <laughs> i'm be sure really it was awkward. like a, a d minus d minus like the hardest grader so ever I'm gonna, <laughs> so i'm gonna go c plus yeah on this on nxc 30 um yeah i'm kind of that's where i'm at, I'm at c plus c, d minus yeah that's like kind of c plus yeah that's kind of where i'm at you know and i will i think the only reason why i kind of want to give it a b minus is for the pat mcafee adam cole match yeah. only that's pretty much the only reason why i want that's to. why i'm giving it a c plus yeah right yeah um from you know so, you know as we go through so the results are set, uh, also did you watch the pre-show do you know no. who won the do you know who won the triple threat pre-show 
No, just keep talking. You want to look, you wanna look this here. up for yeah. me? Okay, so we open up the show with Thatcher and Balor. Balor gets the win. I don't understand what they're doing with Finn. It's like, Finn, by the way, you're not going to win any meaningful match, but every takeover you're going to be on the random singles, mm. and you're going to win that. I don't really get it. Um, Thatcher looked good. His style is not really conducive to a lot of people's viewing habits as of now, right? They want to see high-flying. They want to see action. Thatcher is the complete antithesis of that mm-hmm. um, in every way, shape, and form. Um, Prisango won the pre-match. Prisango won the pre-match? Okay, cool. So they're the number one contenders of the tag titles. Um, we saw uh, Io Shirai retain the NXT women's title over Dakota Kai. We kind of predicted that. We saw Damian Priest win the ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Cole goes over Pat McAfee in what I am definitely going to say is the match of the night, and I don't think it's close. Um, and then you had Keith Lee dropping the NXT Championship to Karrion Cross. We got a new NXT champion. So we got a new NXT North American champion, new NXT champion. Um, give me, you know, your overall... I, first, I, let's talk about the major ones here. I want to talk about this ladder match first. Um, your thoughts on this, because... This is. I feel like this match was different than a lot of ladder matches that I've seen in the past, and I I want to know your thoughts on it first before I kind of go into mine because like I left that match and I was like that was weird almost. I yeah. Don't know. I I just I had a different feeling from. I it. I thought it was good. Yeah. But I was I thought it was like the most like baseline like ladder match you can have. Yeah. Like, it wasn't anything like particularly special. I don't yeah. think that happened. But I thought it was like a solid ladder match also. Yeah. But it was weird because. Um, I like had the feeling Damian Priest was gonna leave. I thought the match just like went on like six minutes too long. Yeah, because like Priest was right. about to get it, and then like, and then no. every and then like Velveteen came in to knock him off, and then they went through the whole like now I'm gonna go up and get it, and like everyone went up again to go get it, and yeah. I was like, wait, this is still going on. Like I yeah. thought he just was gonna pull it down and win it right there. Mm-hmm. So I thought it just went on like a little longer than I thought it was gonna be, mm-hmm. but I thought it was <clears throat> a good ladder match yeah well here's yeah i thought it was standard nothing crazy right like i uh, the problem is i went in unexpectedly comparing it to the first time they did this right the first time and that match was great in my opinion i really enjoyed that ladder match much better you also had guys like ricochet in there who can like really fly and do that kind of stuff um but at the same time the one thing that i kind of stood out for me was at one i will say this this ladder match for me, more than any other in a long time, has felt like everybody did... It was almost like they didn't care about having the match. It was legitimately about, I need to get up there and grab the title, right? And I felt like they did a really nice job of doing the false finish for it. I honestly felt, at one point or another, that every single guy in the match had a legitimate gripe to be like, oh, he's got it. Oh my gosh. Like They, they set up a sequence where every single time it felt like Okay, Priest is gonna get it. Nope. Oh wait, Dream is up there. Oh, Dream is dead. Oh, Dream's got it. And then oh, Gargano with you know with Cancelary come out. Oh, Gargano's gonna win this. Oh, you know Bronson Reed's gonna grab a camera. Like it all felt like they had their individual moment. You see it every once in a while where it's like oh the guy gets close, but there were times where it's like the guy had the hand on the championship was about to grab it and just didn't get it at the very last second. I thought they did a really nice job with that. Um, but that's the thing that stuck out to me the most. I'm glad that Priest won it. I think he is a he's a big star in the making. Quite frankly, um, I don't know I don't know if his ceiling is necessarily NXT Championship or not, mm-hmm. but I definitely think he is a is a high upper card guy for them. Um, I want to talk about let's talk about the NXT Women's Title match. This match for me was just there. I didn't see I, I you know Triple H came on the media call after and was like oh you know we, Dakota Kai was a star tonight. I go. I don't know how it was just it was just a match mm-hmm. in my opinion. I just I just felt like she was kind of there. 
because they didn't have anybody else established ready to go yet for EO to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I don't have much more on that. <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, I'll fine. be honest. That's, I didn't watch that one. No, you didn't. Oh, okay. No, See, I, I watched it, one. but it was just like it's just, it was just it was there. Too, it was too late for me to yeah. watch that one. I felt like it was just like they're just waiting for me to get another shot. Is yeah, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. Um, I'm waiting for that too. All right, so let's talk about the two big dogs here. I do want to talk Adam Cole, Pat McAfee. It's my favorite match on this card. Um, I was already going in thinking it was going to be, quite frankly, but I thought Pat McAfee delivered in spades. He was the performer of the night for me. Um, I want to give a lot of credit to Adam Cole for getting him through that. You know, there was a couple times I think the camera work could have been better because you could definitely tell that Cole was like, okay, like, mm-hmm. do this, do that. You could definitely see that. However, on that same notion, I will say they got that match off pretty flawlessly. There wasn't a, a botched move. You know, McAfee's out there doing drop kicks. He's doing backflips. He's jumping on the top rope, hitting superplexes. Cole hit the Panama Sunrise on him, and it went smoothly, and it wasn't like this jumbled mess of a thing. Like, everything that they did, I'm sure they ran that. They did a run through five, six times, but it, it just went smooth. You know what I mean? And McAfee looked like a legitimate star in that ring. He got over. Um, the match, I thought, was perfect in the way they executed it. I don't know how you felt about it, but I gave this... This specific match, I thought, considering it's not a wrestler in there with Cole, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it five stars all day long, just because of that. Because I yeah. thought, like, I've ne- I haven't seen somebody in such a long time, outside of probably Rousey, come in and just like take to it that fast. And you're just yeah. like, damn, that was a legitimate match that you can you can hang your hand. Yeah, on. that's probably the best celebrity match. Yeah, right. In a long time, right? Uh, like, I mean, yeah. I can't, you know. I think Lawrence Taylor did a nice job at WrestleMania 11, but, I mean, we're talking years ago now. Yeah. But, like, legitimately, like, he, he was in shape. They did a nice job where he got some offense in, right? He You know, the the punt and everything. They told a nice story. Um, they made Cole. It, there was a, you know, when he hits the punt, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's actually going to freaking win this match. Mm-hmm. And you had a little bit of that false finish here, you know, everything was succinct. It was crisp. You could tell that they went, okay, see, you know, like, um, sequence one here, yeah. sequence two here, sequence three here. But considering that he's not a wrestler, he's you know he's doing backflips. He did a, he did, he basically what's crazy is like you can tell he just went. All right, I'm just gonna flip off this top rope and hope to God people are down there because if not, I'm gonna die. On yeah, that, you yeah. know what I mean? To kind of start the match off in the right way, um, they just did a really really nice job. And I'm putting this over really hard right now because I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this match. I was like. You know, when he came up with the, you know, the stomp and Cole hits him with the super kick and he, like, had a reaction. He didn't just kind of, like, awkwardly crumble. Like, you could tell he's an athlete in there. And I just, I like I said, I really, really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was phenomenal. It was worthy of a main event slot. And, you know, I know it kind of went in the middle of the card a little bit, you know, which I think made the women's match even harder to watch because I was like, that was fun. I'm watching this at 1230 at night. I'm like, that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then I got to watch that match. I'm like, all right, well, fall asleep halfway through. Yeah. Um, so I'm putting that match over pretty hard. Last match of the night, though, Keith Lee, carrying Cross. Thoughts on it? You know, we kind of knew Cross was probably going to get the win. He separated his shoulder. Did you see when he actually did it? He did it on that, that Saido the first time. Mm. And you see all of a sudden, like, his, like, his shoulders look like that all of a sudden. It was, go back and watch it. It's pretty crazy. Oh, if you're a fan, watch it. You'll, you'll notice because all of a sudden you see Cross's collarbone stick out like this now all of a sudden. So hopefully he's not legit like out for a long time and he can retain the like, hold the title cuz if not I think that puts a major kink in all the plans pretty yeah. much. 
Um, thoughts on Cross getting the win? Thoughts on the match itself? Because I think Keith Lee did a really nice job here getting Cross over. Oh yeah, no, I thought I thought it was perfectly fine yeah. for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cross did look super good in this match. Yeah, I'm and, glad it was competitive. Like, yeah, and it was also Cross looked yeah. vulnerable at times. Yeah, like he yeah. he did he didn't make him look vulnerable, but it was also like Karrion was like, but I'm also too much of a beast to yeah. like ever right. really lay down ever. Mm-hmm. So I I bought into it pretty hard, mm-hmm. and I'm now pretty hard on the cross train. Yeah, right. And being you know, a established star here. Yes, right, exactly. And I think they did that in spades. I think for as much crap as I give Keith Lee, where I don't really truly find him super captivating in a story perspective, I think his matches are fine. But as far as like getting the build in this match, I thought he did a tremendous job of really selling and getting over the fact that every time Cross hit him, it was a big deal. They worked the arm. It made it, like, Keith Lee look like he was really in pain. Like, there was yeah. a lot of good things about this match. It was slower, which you kind of expected, right? I don't think anyone's going to expect Cross to go out there and have a barn burner kind of match, right, where you, it's just constant, you know, flow. Um, it was heavy hitting. It was heavy. I think it went a little bit long, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I feel like he could have cut out maybe a little bit of it. The fact that he finished, though, with a separated shoulder is pretty damn badass, in my opinion. Especially because he had to lift him off the second rope mm-hmm. and land yeah. on the shoulder. I was like, dude, that's a rough go. And then he lifts the title, and you can tell he's like, a lot. I'm like, whew, that's a rough go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, like I said, I thought this was a solid show overall. Yeah. Consider, I feel like this, I feel like the show would have been a little bit better received if it was in front of a full crowd. Like, no, I no, think the NXT takeovers are really the ones that are affected the most by the no crowd right now is the fact that, like, it's, they're just kind of like, they're there. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't get the big reaction and that big fight feel. Um, but I like the way they're going. I'm kind of interested to see, you know, where they go with Cross now. Like I said, I hope he's healthy. Um, but it's something to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, let's flip on to the other channel here, and let's go to AEW. we got the Saturday Night Special thing. I, you know, two big notes coming out of this, right? FDR gets a new manager in Tully Blanchard. They're teasing this new faction. you got Hangman Page kind of hanging around there. Maybe it's Sean Spears and the other guy in this Four Horsemen-esque type of thing. Um, thoughts on Tully getting the getting the bid to manage FTR and in a possible four horsemen thing coming. Yeah, up. I think it's gonna be awesome. I, I do, do too. think Absolutely. I do think I do think a lot of them are gonna be holding titles. Mm-hmm. FTR is gonna be definitely the tag champs coming out all out probably. Yep. Yep. And I think Hangman will probably sooner rather than later get like the TNT title yeah, for a little for a little stint. Yep. And then eventually we'll get the world title probably at next year's All Out, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Yeah. So I think they're going to build a nice little faction and actually a competitive faction mm-hmm. that everyone has to be like watching out for. Yeah. And I'm very excited. And I think it'll be cool because I think <clears throat> I always thought that Cody having the TNT title, like Cody's very good at storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that he doesn't need the title to tell the story. Right. Or I think other guys, like I think it would benefit on the card if it was like, like, if Hangman gets it, it's Hangman versus Kenny for the TNT title, and Cody was doing his own thing right. with somebody else, right. I think I would be interested right. in both. Doing more storytelling, less about the championship. Yeah, because right. that's what Cody's really good at, is the right. story aspect. So, I'm very, I'm really hoping that I, it yeah. kind of flows over there, and then maybe Kenny has a nice little rivalry there, goes for the world title. I think there's a lot of stuff you yeah, can Yeah, the do only there. thing with that is I think there are going to be heels going out. So, if MGF presumably takes the title yeah, uh, he, yeah, from Moxley, he, 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 right? Yeah. So... That's only going to be the thing. I'm guessing what's going to wind up happening is that I think you're right in the mind where Hangman probably gets the TNT Championship. Spears, if he is the fourth guy, I don't anticipate Cody 
flipping. So I don't, I don't know if Cody's going to be in this faction. I'm assuming he's not. Um, but if he's not, and Spears is the other guy because he's already managed by Tully Blanchard, Hangman holding the TNT Championship. FCR's got the tag title. Spears is just the guy to take the pinfall. <laughs> um, you know, I think it still works out pretty well. Yeah. And then I think what will wind up happening is they're going to start putting on such great matches, which what always happens is when heels do really well in the ring, they become faces because of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I could see something like that happening where they're, they're bad guys for six, seven, eight months, and then all of a sudden you seal the turn, and that's when Hangman really starts to get the momentum behind him. And we see him versus MGF, who's holding the title for a year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see two truly homegrown AEW talent guys going at it for the big title. And I think that's where you're going to see, like, okay, now we're really mm-hmm. off and running for sure. Um, thoughts on Brody Lee basically coming in and just dominating Cody in three minutes and winning the TNT Championship? Um, I know I think I said that Rowan was going to be debuting. That was all the reports that I read. Clearly, they made me look like an idiot. Um, but regardless, Brody gets the win. Thoughts on him becoming the second ever TNT champion? Yeah, I think it really helps out everyone there. Yeah, the Dark uh, Order. The Dark Order in general. <clears throat> I think um, it, it's just like a perfect... I think you can have some mixed tag matches with oh, yeah. Cody and Brandy and Brody Lee. And there's like Anna Jay, I think, yeah. is in that too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Choked her out and stuff. So I think you have a lot of... There's a lot of the elite versus the dark order stuff that you can eventually start running into now faction versus faction kind of deal yep. and um i think brody lee's a good like heel tnt champion because i yep. think he'll just come out and he has his groupies to help him retain it mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and then there's going to be that face that's going to come in and right yeah i think i think this was needed right i yeah. think to, to, I think it was 100 needed. to re to reestablish brody as a top guy um, he's basically the entire Dark Order has been glorified jobbers as of this point, really, because they don't really ever win any match that's meaningful. Um, so now the fact that they're here, you know, Brody getting the t- getting the TNT title. I think the I think that Grayson and U- Evil Uno are definitely in that tag title mix as well. They're so oh, yeah. deep at the tag team division; it's crazy. Um, but the fact that you know he gets the win in such convincing fashion, I think it's a great job by Cody and AEW to kind of realize that hey, we've got a lot of time. And creative process, and TV time, and people invested in this product, right? Where it's like, we really need to give them something to hang their hat on and make them somewhat credible. I'm hoping that we continue to see, if it's not weekly, a bi-weekly title defense of the championship. Because I know Cody was like, this is an open challenge thing. Now that Brody is the champion, I don't know if we'll see that yeah. as much. But I do hope that we do continue to see that television championship. Because that's really what it is, is a television championship. Be defended on a pretty regular basis on TV because if not, it kind of defeats the purpose of it. Um, especially because we don't see Moxie on TV a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on what they were able to do considering it was Saturday night, they didn't have a ton of time, they kind of just went get in, get out. And but they really, I think this is one of the more impactful dynamite episodes in a while because yeah. I feel like we finally are starting to see stuff, things happen, things are changing, we're starting to get some momentum on some storylines going in to All Out. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I think this is the only problem having quarterly pay-per-views mm-hmm. is, is a lot, like, there's a lot of, like, middle sit, stuff. and then let's, okay, now let's go. Yeah, yeah, so now we're getting into, okay, now let's go and build for this show for the next, like, two weeks or whatever mm-hmm. until this show happens. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought it was really good. I think it was, like, a nice, like, 
precursor to TakeOver. Yep. If you if you do watch both, like yep. if you're just NXT or mm-hmm. you're just AEW, then obviously it doesn't affect you. Yeah. But if you're if you watch both, it's like okay, six to eight is a nice little like you got a couple tag matches, you had a title change. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's get into TakeOver. It's yep. just like the main event, course right. meal kind of thing. Exactly. So I think it really worked out well. Yeah. And it didn't compete against anything, so... Yeah, it, it had its own thing. It, it, it was nice thing. and succinct. Yeah. They, they got a lot of stuff done. I was really happy with it. Um, last thing I want to ask you real quick before we go off air today, uh, a little bit shorter of an episode today, guys, um, is going to be, what are your thoughts on the Thunderdome? You know, Vince coming in and going, this is the Thunderdome, you know, and whatever like yeah. that. You see all the people. Um, SummerSlam's tonight, obviously, or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Thoughts on what, how it looks, the the presentation. Are you a fan? Are you not a fan? Yeah. Well, really? I wish I wish you could like hear the people yeah. in the Thunderdome. Like, I, I wish know. they would talk and you could hear it. Yeah. Because I think that's like because I don't need to see. I don't ever like list watch people's. Yeah, reactions. yeah, yeah. I want to see the fans. No, it's not. I want I the want, noise. I want the noise, yeah. so I like I know how to feel yeah. in a match or whatever. Yeah, but I'm just like watching people, and most of them are just like straight face, like staring at their computer screen, like. Like, like straight at it, and they're uh-huh. not. Yeah, they're not really like animating or anything, so right. it's not. It's it's okay, I guess. <laughs> I'd rather just go back to what it was. Yeah. But I do I do like that they're at the Amway Center. And it's like a nice bigger like. Yeah, they're gonna have some pyro. They're gonna have pyro some. I think they're gonna wind up pumping in some sort of crowd noise. I feel I like think I think did. they're gonna try and do some stuff here. Um, real quick sure. too. Real quick, just thoughts on Jeff Hardy winning the IC title from AJ, just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, you it works like for it? me. You like it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. Let's have some nice Whatever we can get the Universal title off Braun Strowman, that's all we really care about. That's right that's now. the goal. <laughs> all right. Take it, Bray. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> that's gonna be it for this week's show. Um, I don't know what we got going on next week just yet. We're, we'll have some updates for you as we go along through the week. But that's gonna be it for this week's show. The Road to One Hundred is officially underway here. Just a couple more weeks left, guys, and we will be there. Um, that's gonna be it for this week for the Missing Well Man. He's the Burke Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys as always. Next time.